Hello and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunderland Review Show. A hard fought win. Uh, sorry, that's the lie. We drew shit. <laughs> One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunderland Preview Show. A hard-fought weekend draw in London has kept the lads within touching distance of the playoff places. And whilst cup action is on our midweek agenda, Paul Ince's Redden provide our weekend matchup at the Stadium of Light. Redden haven't had the best time of it recently. After an excellent start of the campaign, and Ben from the excellent Tilehurst End joins me to preview this weekend's clash and give us the full lowdown on Redden. Ben, I have gone to this uh, intro about seven different times, uh, but we'll pretend to the listeners that I haven't had to edit all that out, and I'll ask, how are you doing? Are you all right, mate? You okay? Yeah, we got my name right. I've been called worse, which is which is a positive. So, uh, yeah, very, very pleased to, to be here talking to you guys today, and uh, hopefully what's going to be a good game on Saturday. It'd be quite hilarious if everyone could listen to how many mistakes I made in that intro, but I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave it out. But um, I think first things first, obviously, just to let everyone know, we are speaking ahead of our cup game against Fulham. I'm taking Sonia Climbs this week. I'll be missing the match, sadly. But um, at the time of speaking, last game, 2-2 home draw with Watford. It seemed like a really big result for yourself in many ways. You were 2-0 down for the people who weren't aware of that. Um, how impressive was the comeback? How was the performance? And, and how important was the manner of the performance and manner of the result? I think in in isolation, it's it, it on paper it looks like a good result. You know, Watford, uh, you know, from not from just what I saw on Saturday, but from generally this season, they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts this season. Um, it, it's very difficult, really, because we didn't we didn't really get going in the game until probably 60, 65 minutes. Um, we kind of gifted them two goals. Really, they were out of nothing. Uh, there was no doubt that that kind of on the balance of of, of the game anyway, they were. They were definitely the better side, and, and probably asking the questions that that we were. Um, and and defensively, we were just just a bit nervous for some reason. Um, it, it was just very very flat the whole thing. And you know, at two 0 you're thinking, okay, this could be, end up being another three or four 0 which we've we've loved this season really in terms of reverse results. Um, you know, namely against you guys when you came down earlier in the season. But look, our, our home form has, has really stood for something this season, and that is. I say a rare positive. That's probably doing a disservice to the to the team and the manager. But generally, we've we've been a lot better at home than we've been in in probably three or four seasons. So it was it was really important to to keep that going, if nothing else. And yeah, it, 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 bizarrely, that last sort of twenty five minutes, we were probably looking to win the game. We had a really good chance, rightly, you know, at the end to to win it. Um, it didn't I think it, it? You know, it probably would have been undeserved on on Watford really, but. Yeah, a point keeps us ticking over. It keeps us um, sort of in that mid-table mediocrity uh, slot, which we were all desperate for this season or the start of the season anyway. So it, it's whether or not we can get back to the winning ways quite quickly. I was I was on our pod last night and, and talking to the host on there and just saying that this is a really key period for all the teams that are trying to do something this season. And, you know, ultimately we, we want to be on the beach sort of early April and have a month where we can just relax and breathe and, and bring through some players that maybe haven't had a chance this season in terms of the youth. So, yeah, look, it was it was a good result given that we were playing a, a fairly competent side and being two 0 down against them. It, it was it was great to to get the point, but you know we, we we need to be in a situation where we start games a lot better than we have done and, and not wait for other teams to kind of do stuff to us. We need to be on the front foot a lot more, and I I, I really feel that that we've got 
opportunities to do that. Whether or not that's Saturday, I don't think it will be. We'll talk about predictions, I'm sure, later on. But, you know, we, we really have got some games coming up, Rotherham, Cardiff, that we could really get points on the board and, and kind of have to now, really, because I think overall we're like four in 18 across all competitions, which which isn't great. So we just need to kind of keep up uh, keep up the form and, and improve that ever so slightly to, to get back up the table just a little bit, really. I think when you come back from 2-0 down, obviously it, it does feel like a point gained. It almost feels like a win sometimes, doesn't it? But I think looking at your form, taking out the cup game, because obviously you beat Watford in the FA Cup, but outside of that in the league, you haven't actually won a game since, I think, December 27th against against Swansea. Now, to be fair, like Redden have had, they had an excellent start of the season. You were around third and fourth, I think, by the time even we went here, which I think was around September, October time. Um Define expectations in, in many ways, but it's petered out a little bit. As I was saying before, that sort of run of form hasn't been tremendous recently. It's not been the best of times over the past few weeks, but how important is that was not going to be potentially in the context of the season? Because like you say, it is kind of a crunch time for everyone, but it's a point gained rather than just like a point lost. It would be a bit different if you were tuning up first, but pulling it back, it's a great goal from Hendrick. Could that be quite a pivotal moment in your season to kind of get you back on the, the run that you were maybe at the start of the season? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this is probably I did the Watford preview for for those guys last week, and I said this is probably the most open I've known the league for a long period of time. You know, we've been down there, or I say down there, but in this league, probably the same time as Birmingham. So we're probably like the, <laughs> almost turning into like lifers in terms of the championship sides that we've got here. But I mean, it, it is a good point. I think if you you, you know you mentioned the start of the season and. If we'd started with four and eighteen, you know, Ince doesn't get to his nineteenth game. It, it's it's that simple. So having that 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 balance and that those points on the board was was so important. And you know, we were playing good football. We were playing okay. Um, you guys kind of came along and, and smashed that up a little bit for us. Really, we had a few bizarre results as well. We had four nil reverse away at Rotherham, which was again a turning point in the season because we went on a really nice run after that. But it's it it's been. You know, it's it's been frustrating in some respects because although we've been a lot better than we were last season, which was probably the worst season I've known in thirty plus years of of supporting the club, there have been times when we've we've kind of really done ourselves um, justice in the way that we played, and then kind of you know times when we've just been absolutely dreadful. So it's it's very difficult to know a how good we are, b how good these players actually are as a group, and c you know, the long-term expectations of Ince at the club and how he's potentially going to move the team forward or rather not move forward. Um, but yeah, look, you're right. There's no doubt that the weekend was was very positive. Getting that point was was fantastic. Um, but it, it still doesn't mask kind of the overriding fear that we're only sort of two or three games away from going on a on a losing streak. Um, and that that is the concern at the moment is we've just got to... We just got to get three points on the board just to build the confidence, and um, you know, hopefully, the the comeback and the resilience on Saturday has kind of served for something. Um, and we'll we'll see. I, as I said, I really don't think it's going to be Saturday. I don't expect us to get anything out of the game against you lot. who were doing very very well, but um, it's it's going to be interesting how the kind of the latter part of the season plays out. Really, yeah, I, I think you can sometimes tell. I mean, not that Inter was under any pressure, but I think if. 
you know, your players aren't putting in fight backs or, or trying to get points here or there or trying to kind of just show a bit of metal, then it becomes a bit of a worry. I suppose when you come back against a very good Watford team, um, albeit at home, doesn't really matter, they're a good side. It does show that they're at least fighting for the management, fighting for the club, which is always, of course, a massive positive. But I think I think Redden's a funny one because, like I said in, in the intro, you know, you've not had the best time of it recently. You had a really good start. But I think when we first came into this league and we were chatting to sort of other fans in the first few games, a lot of people, when I'd say, how do you think Sunderland will do, would say, oh, well, you know, to be fair, you should stay up because Redden and Birmingham are probably certainties to go down. And it really hasn't worked out like that. Um, a lot of it comes down to the fact that you had a really good start to the season. But it did feel like a lot of people had yourselves in Birmingham almost as relegation certainties, almost like a derby or a chef wed over the past few seasons. But it's going to take you know, big swing for that to happen. I know it can happen because there's about what feels like six points between every every sort of four or five positions across this league. But I think it's about nine, ten points you're away from the bottom three. So it would take a, a bit of a swing. But why do you think Redden have defied those expectations this season? Because it's certainly not what a lot of fans outside of the club thought would happen to Redden this season. Yeah, I, it's a difficult one to, to put your finger on. I, really, the key is that we've got characters in the team now. We've got, as you said, players that want to fight. Um, Inch Junior has just been, well, I mean, he's already he was already player of the season in November, you know, before we broke up for the World Cup. So he, he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, I think the other thing as well is we've been able to share the goals a little bit. So we haven't relied on, on sort of one player to get us out of trouble. But really, I, I just feel like, Although we don't have, and this is going to sound really contradictory, we don't have a, a defined style of play. We do have a formation that's preferred. Um, and we didn't have that last season so much. It, it was kind of square pegs and round holes all the time. The other thing in, in recent kind of weeks and months is that our injury list has kind of alleviated a little bit. So last season was just ridiculous. We had so many players out on a regular basis and we, we could never really pick uh, what would be defined as a kind of a senior squad for each match day. So that, that's a big thing. And the other thing really is is kind of the expectations. I think when we started last season, we, we brought in some, some on paper, some fairly decent players with experience. You know, we brought in Drinkwater. Um, we had another couple of loans as well. We had Rahman who came in from Chelsea. Obviously, he's come back this season. Harold joined and obviously he's come back as well. But there was other players in and around the team that, that you thought were really going to kick on and it just didn't happen. And I think... You know, although we were bad, the expectations were kind of warped a little bit from the start. Whereas this season, you know, most Reading fans or 99% of Reading fans you talk to would say, look, the goal is just to stay up. Whether we, you know, we finish 11th or we finish 21st by goal difference, it doesn't matter. Just stay in the league. Um, because, you know, the, the, the kind of restrictions that we're under transfer-wise will be alleviated a little bit next season. So that gives us a few more options and, and makes us a little bit more of an attractive proposition. Um, but but ultimately, there's there's a lot more fight. There's a lot more resilience there. It hasn't completely stopped, as I mentioned earlier, the kind of collapses. We've had quite a few or too many, really, 4-0 defeats this season. Um, but there is there is a hunger and a desire there. And the fans, you know, home and away, see that now. They see a team responding to adversity a lot more rather than giving up. Um, and, you know, last season on and off the pitch, it was just toxic. It was just absolutely appalling last year. So we would have done very well to um, <laughs> to be any worse than we were last season. And that's that's all we can hope for in this current situation. You know, there's there's an expectation that that we do stay up. 
Um, and I, I think at the moment, as you said, we're, we're looking good to do that. I still think there'll be, you know, at least three worse teams than, than ourselves. So we've got a little bit more quality that's that's starting to come through. Um, and we'll, we'll see. You know, it's it's very, very tight. I think we're 16th at the moment on 38 points, I believe. And that's, you know, that's when we're not too far from being sort of top half of the table. If if we were to win on Saturday and other results, you know, go our way, then then we're back in the top half again. So it's 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 really topsy turvy, as you know, in the league. And it's um it's gonna be interesting to see how it pans out for us, really. Yeah, it's it's a wild league. Like the positions you can jump, like I say, it feels like it's six points maximum between about four to five positions. Um sometimes even in three. It's just it's just mad really. Uh, any kind of run, positive or negative, can can knock you towards the playoffs or knock you towards relegation. So it's really, really hard to judge. But I suppose everyone knows their own club well. And, you know, I know it didn't go too well for Redden last season, as you've just sort of touched on there. And I touched on before what a lot of fans outside of the club probably thought about Redden. But no one knows the club better than your own fans. And I think, weirdly, <laughs> a lot of people felt like Sunderland would make a real go of it because of momentum and stuff this season. And not every Sunderland fan was too sure as it is, we've probably done a lot better than expected. Actually, loads better than expected. But um, from a Redden perspective, although I've said you, you've done better than what the, the pundits thought or what maybe people outside of the club thought, what were Redden fans' thoughts on this season? Were you kind of worried that it was going to be what a lot of other people thought or did you have sort of more hope than that? I think as, as a as a lower league football fan, you've always got to have hope and you've always got to hope that things are always going to be better. Um, I say lower league, you know, we're, we're very lucky in recent seasons to still be in the championship and still be dining at that table, to be honest. Um, I, it's difficult because, you know, it, it was a little bit, you're never going to speak for every fan and I would never presume to, to do that. But, you know, certainly sort of, the, the stuff that we did, you know, pre-season with our own fans and, and kind of, you know, mini interviews and things like that, the expectation and the hope was that we would stay up, but there would be a team that we could get behind and kind of believe in. And, and you know, if you look at those objectives, we've definitely done that. The, the problem really now is that there are some people that feel that Ince isn't probably getting out the best of, of the of the, certainly the attacking players that we've got and, and kind of playing on the front foot to... To kind of use that cliche a little bit, you know, we've we've got some good attacking players. We've got Lucas Jow, you know, Shane Long obviously is kind of in his swan song, really. But he's, you know, he he's a decent player on his day. Uh, we've got Mate, uh, obviously Andy Carroll, Tom Ince, obviously has been absolutely superb. Um, so there's 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 components there that that just it just hasn't it hasn't worked. I think we've tried every formation going with or every combination going with those those forward players. It's, it's just not clicked in terms of partnerships. So th- there are there are rumblings now where people are saying, look, Ince has been great this season, Ince uh, senior here, but like actually next season we need to move in a different direction and, and give someone else the possibility to build a little bit more. Um, and I I would, you know, as much as I like Paul Ince, I've met him on a number of occasions. He's very, very honest, very upfront, but there's sometimes an element where he's not He's not really taking the emotion out of a game or a situation. You know, there's an element where potentially kind of throws his players under the bus a little bit, whereas actually what you want is a, a bit more of a measured response. Um, you know, and as, as Redden fans, we kind of, you know, dined out on on managers previously that have just been completely neutral, whether it's win-lose or draw. And, and I think we need some stability like that back in the club now and someone who's going to be able to go, this is your project for two or three seasons and, and crack on with it. You know, we've had far too much upheaval in the in the dugout and and certainly in the top office with, you know, directors, owners, um, 
you know, directs the football and everything else. So what we're looking for now is stability to move on. And I, I don't think anyone would say, yeah, we're going to be in Europe in five years' time. But, you know, something along the lines where we're going to be a little bit more competitive in this league and have a mentality where we can go into the kind of bigger games and, and kind of compete a lot more than we have done in the last sort of three or four seasons. So it's, it's you know, on paper at the moment, it's almost job done. Once we're safe, it's completely job done for, for most Reading fans. But there is now a bit of an eye on next year in terms of saying, what else can we do with this squad? You know, what else can we add to what we've got? What young players uh, can we be serious about that can come through, you know, our, our very famous academy? Because for a long time, that was that was a jewel in the crown. You know, we've had some great players come through there. Um, we just need to be a little bit better at recruitment and, and selling players on and, and just kind of not be done to all the time. And I know we've had to take on medicine with the you know, with the restrictions and the, the ridiculous amounts of money that we spent for a championship side. But now we just need some sort of plan moving forward. And the people that run the club need to kind of show the fans, I feel, that they're in it for the long haul and they're going to start doing things properly and how we'd expect them to be done at Reading. Because ultimately, you know, un unlike yourselves, we're a, we're a small market championship side. You know, historically, probably League One, maybe. Um, last Obviously, last sort of decade or so, we've been a reasonably solid championship side. I say that because we flirted with the drop quite a few times, but there, there just now needs to be a bit of a plan moving forward um, rather than firefighting. And, you know, there are a few people that feel that Ince maybe isn't isn't the man for, for next season. Yeah, I, find, I found Ince quite, quite an interesting appointment in many ways because, well, he hadn't been in work since 2014. And I felt like you kind of answered one of the questions I was going to ask. And I was going to say, is he the man to take you any further? Because he's done probably better than I think a lot of people would have thought. I think he's been records like 35% or something like that. He's been in charge 40 so many games, about a season's worth of Italian altogether, which is a lot better than what you'd expect from manager that's been out for so long. But it does feel like his remit is maybe to keep running up. And then, you know, where do you go from there? Because Sunderland had that a lot of time with our Premier League years and we had a manager every six months to keep us up and then uh, then it was like start again and I suppose it's the last thing you want but talking of inters I had to talk about the other ints as well I think you know one we talked about defined expectations before Tom Ince um, 31 I'll be totally honest prior to his move to Redden it felt like he was a bit of a forgotten man being at Huddersfield Stoke came with obviously a lot of potential when he was younger and never really kind of hit those maybe the, the heights that people really hope you would get didn't really do much, kind of middled around in the championship. And then he's ended up with Red. And then I thought, you know, I'd seen he's been on the score sheet once or twice, but it wasn't really till I looked at his stats sort of prior to sort of the research and watching the highlights ahead of the show that he scored seven goals and, and five assists. Now, for a team that's 16th in the league, that's an excellent turnaround because he's not a straightforward centre forward. To my memory, he's more a winger or someone who could play in a front three. But um, why has he done so well at Reading? Because he seemed to have a quiet few years, but he's he's absolutely on fire for you statistically. I think ultimately he's loved. I you know, I know that he, there was issues at stake where they, they were kind of desperate to move him on. And you know, he came in um before you know Paul came in in terms of his dad. And and it was it was a bit of a weird one because we were like, well, I thought we'd retired, or it was kind of on the way out or going to sort of League One, League Two. But he's I mean, he without him this season, um we we would be really, really struggling. Uh, he, you know, obviously his stats, as you mentioned, speak for themselves, but the way that he kind of galvanises the team, he's, he's not captain, he's not held the captain's armband. I'm not sure if he's part of the kind of, you know, the captain's group that you have at clubs these days, but 
you know, certainly he's given a lot of license to to effectively do what he wants to do. And he he's he's talking the talk, you know, he you see him balling at players and shouting and geeing them up and all the rest of it. And you know, we we needed that for a long time. We've had we've had a lot of players that that you know are, are supposedly experienced, but other players have had to carry them. He he kind of carries the team a lot of the time. Uh He's a lot better when he plays in midfield, you know, certainly in attacking midfield because he, he runs direct and we, we don't have many players that actually run at defences and kind of take them on. Um, Saturday was an interesting one because he kind of played up front, you know, alongside uh, or just off the back of, of Shane Long, really. And that's, for me, that's interesting because actually he's, he's probably better served um, in midfield. And obviously <laughs> sounds cliche, but if you take him out of midfield, who else is going to do his job there for him? So it's it's one of those. Um he, he's just been very, very uh, clinical with with what he's done as well. I think he's he mentioned his assists, but I think four of those have come straight from corners, which you know for a championship player is is pretty good, really. Um, and he, you know, he he scares defenses he, because he because he plays so tightly against them. You know, his his end product is is very very good, and he he doesn't stop running. It, it is literally ridiculous. You know, you kind of see him in the in the 85th minute and he's still charging balls down in the corner and, you know, chasing after defenders and stuff. So he just doesn't stop. Um, whether or not it's because his dad's there as well, I don't know. You know, there was always that kind of, that nepotism element of it. Well, he's getting in the team because of his dad and he was, he got injured. He had a, like a horror tackle against Hull, I think it was towards the end of last season. And that was that. And then there was a bit like, when well, he's going to start because of his dad, but actually he's backed it up. And, and really, if you could have, um, you know, if we could have ten outfield players like Tom Ince, we'd probably a lot be, be a lot higher up in terms of commitment and, and quality. So, yeah, look, very grateful for him. I think there was there was a few clubs rumoured, and I used that very very loosely, kind of sniffing around him uh, at the end of January. But realistically, there was nowhere else that that he was going to go because obviously his dad's there. We love him. I'd, I'd like to think the feeling's mutual, and he's he's kind of given free license to to do what he wants to do. So. You know, for us, long may it continue. Really, um, the positive as well. He's under contract. So if we <laughs> if we get a silly bid, then he's probably going to be off in the summer potentially. But I, I don't see that happening at this stage. Um, so yeah, I think he, he he's fast becoming a you know a Reading hero in terms of folklore at the moment. I think when you look through Reading's squad, you've mentioned some of these players already. There's plenty of players that we'll recognise. Plenty of players that plenty of people have been around for a long time. Andy Carroll, obviously. He's been around for years. Um, Shane Long, obviously, yes, he's in his swan song, but recognised Premier League striker for a long, long time. But I always find it quite interesting how many players that, maybe not that you don't know about, but the ones that are on form that you wouldn't maybe expect to be on form, the names we'll naturally see will be Carroll, Long, Tom Ince. But is there any players that are particularly on form at the moment that you think could cause some of them problems on Saturday that we should maybe keep an eye on? I think if Aziz starts, he's he's come back from a fairly uh, difficult time in terms of injury. So he he came on um, against Watford on Saturday, and and you know arguably turned the game really because he was he was running those routes that that, that Tom Ince would have done in previous games had he not been up front. So Aziz, you know, can be very very tricky in terms of of being direct and and creating chances. Um, in terms of causing you problems, I mean, not so much problems directly but Joe Lumley has been very very good for us in goal uh, and he came with a, a horrendous reputation from from Middlesbrough obviously from from QPR as well and he was he was pretty much derided by by other fan bases but you know after a bit of a shaky start 
you know, particularly Rotherham away when we lost four 0 and it was it was basically his fault for want of a better phrase. He he's been absolutely fantastic. Um and he, he kind of gets what we're trying to do. Like he's very, very vocal, like he's great with the fans. Um, you know, he he's been a real kind of rock for us, really. Uh, I didn't think I'd say this, but Jeff Hendrick has, has weighed in with a few goals recently and he has been very, very hit and miss, um, obviously on loan from from Newcastle, but he's starting to come into his own a little bit more. Um, and the other player that we don't know very much about but could be very good in the future is is this guy, Cassidy, who's come in from Chelsea, who, I'll be honest, I had to YouTube him because I'd never heard of him and I had to look at some of his youth games and stuff. He didn't have a great debut at all on, on Saturday. He was kind of a bit lost in the system. Um, you know, that kind of shock of I've just left Chelsea for this kind of blood and gut stuff of the championship. So he could potentially uh, be a very good player for us long term. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of Lucas Jow. I think the guy's, you know, very, very good. Again, it's become a little bit of a scapegoat for our fans because he doesn't run enough or he doesn't charge balls down or whatever. But over the period of time that we've had him, his, his goal scoring rate, I think he's got something like 40, 42 goals in 100 appearances, something like that. So, it, you know, he's, he's been really, really good for us over the years. Um, so if he plays alongside Shane Long, you'd expect him to be, you know, hustling, bustling up front and, and maybe pop up with a goal. Um, but I think, you know, that, that ultimately that's what we've lacked in terms of a real danger man. You know, obviously Tom Ince, as we said, is a standout. But we don't, around that group, we don't have anyone else that's really going to push the game and force the issue on our opponents. And I think, you know, that's the frustration with with some Redden fans is that, that we haven't done enough uh, attack-wise to be able to to kind of force the issue in games, really. Um, we'll see. You know, we, you, you don't know what Reading is going to turn up, really. Our away form has been dreadful. So we could go there and, and be absolutely fantastic or it could be another 4-0 incoming. Um, who knows? Who knows? We're just enjoying the ride at the moment. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, obviously, the, the game previously and you touched about how sometimes you've had a bit of a collapse. I think the game that we had at your place was... We were sort of on the cusp of thinking, oh, this championship lock is not as hard as we thought it might be. And that game itself kind of felt a little bit like the moment Tony Mowbray something clicked. Obviously, there was that fantastic goal um, that Jack Clark scored, which is undoubtedly our goal of the season. And hopefully even championship goal of the season, it was a really good goal. But it was probably the game where we thought, you know, maybe could we make a push for the playoffs here? It was coincidentally also the game where we lost Ellis Sims to injury and coincidentally had no strikers for the best part of 12, 13 games after that. Um, but less of that, and that's a, another podcast for another day. But what did you make of Sunderland the day that turned up with Redden? Because it really felt like that was, in a weird way, the best of Sunderland without having any strikers. Um, Roberts had a great game, we scored the great goal, and it really felt like a, a real big moment for Sunderland. But what did Redden fans make of the game and, and Sunderland in particular? Um, honestly, it came out of nowhere. You know, I, I, I think up until that point, we were doing really well at home. And then you guys turned up and, and basically just rolled us over. And, you know, it, it just shows you that actually you can be on a poor run of form and then you can play Reading and be brilliant. <laughs> it's just one of those, really. It's it, 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 was, it was surprising because I didn't expect that to happen. You know, obviously you guys had lost, or not lost, but Alex Neil had, had chosen to, to go. Um, personally, I've always liked Tony Mowbray. I think he's a fantastic manager. I think he's an even better bloke, to be honest with you. He's someone that... that one of those those managers that that you welcome with open arms, or I would certainly at, at Reading. Um, and I'm, you know, in the context of your season, I'm pleased for him because Sunderland is a is a club that 
you know, I personally respect and I know a lot of fans do as well. But one of the main things really um was was your was your travelling fans as well. You know, it was it was midweek, long way, as we all know, from from Reading to Sunderland and vice versa. But I remember I was trying to do my my post match video, which I do for the Tyler Stand every game, and um, I, I I had to stop it because you lot were seeing so much. I had to just go right, cut the camera because I, I was going to get derided here, and I think I did in the end. In the end, I was like, look, I want to go home. Like, I've just had enough, so I was doing it, and I don't think anyone could hear what I was saying. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see that. You know, we all know the championship is is very very difficult, um, but it, it's nice to see good teams you know, doing well and, and performing to, to the best of their ability. And, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased without blowing smoke too much towards you, but I, I'm pleased that you guys are kind of there and thereabouts because there's a lot of, lot of teams in that league that just spend a lot of money to try and get where they are. And, and Sunderland, you know, for me, aren't one of those, those clubs. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the, the game really did, um, did surprise a lot of people and, and it, it kind of made us take stock a little bit of, of where we were going and how we were going to play. And I think, to be honest with you, we probably needed that because there was, dare I say, a little bit of arrogance creeping into some of the players in terms of, you know, we've been on that that good run of form, particularly at home as well. And uh, it was it was a massive wake up call, I think. So, um, yeah, it, it inadvertently probably did us a bit of a favour long term. <laughs> was it an interesting game in many ways? Because all our three goals were scored on the counter attack. And obviously we're talking about the third one. The first two were all right. But it was never really a game where I thought we didn't have possession. It was really hard to describe the game itself because it felt like, you know, we, we didn't dominate possession, but Redden didn't either. But yet our three goals all came on the counter as if we'd sat waiting for it to happen. But um, I'm, I'm slightly jealous of you because I didn't go to that game because I'm not as I'm not as good as other fans. I've got to be honest, that could go down to Redden on a Wednesday night in that particular uh, evening. But when it comes to the goal itself, obviously, it, it's hard not to think back at that game and, and talk about it. What was that goal like in, in real time? Because obviously it's interesting to hear the perspective from the opposition side because as much as it was good for us and, and the outside world watching, it looked nice, it was slick. I suppose when that kind of goal gets scored against you, you do get a little bit annoyed and go, just hit him, like tackle him, do something, whatever. But to watch it, what was it like from the opposition side to kind of see a goal like that? Uh, I was just shouting, just get him, just someone putting a tackle. And it, it you know, the, the, the passing move was was very, very good. I think it was almost front to back, wasn't it? Back to front even. Um, but yeah, I was just like, just just get a ball off him. Just just someone, like, you know, fill that space with just a tackle, just take one for the team. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was nice to see that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite... Uh, Pep Barcelona, but it was it was very close to that instance, really. And I think you know, over the game, you had you had an awful lot of possession. I think it was like mid sixties that you had, and and I seem to remember you had um, certainly sort of you know quite a few shots compared to what we had. So it was it was well deserved. And and I think Ince said after the game, I think remember rightly, so it was a kick up the backside, and he was right, you know, because we we just we were quite lazy in that game. You know, we didn't keep the ball particularly well, and and we just let you guys do what you wanted to do to us, basically. You know, we gave away far too many fouls, gave the ball away too cheaply and just didn't do the basics. And I think there's 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 a few games this season where we could say, look, we just didn't we didn't turn up. We didn't do, you know, even remotely close to what what the, the bare minimum is. And that was one of those games. But take nothing away from from the performance that you guys put in. It was, you know, it's um it's a long old journey down in, in midweek and and to reward your fans for that sort of performance must have been fantastic, really. So, um, 
yeah, it's. Uh, I'm hoping that it's it's not that bad this Saturday. But <laughs> as I said earlier, you never know. You never know. You, you really don't in the championship. You really never know. Could go either way, and I don't think anything would be a surprise with the championship. But um, yeah, it, it was a fantastic night and. It, like I say, weirdly, we had no strikers really that night. Ellis Sims got injured and, and Ross had been injured, I think, the game or two games beforehand. And we went on this run of, of having no strikers. It's a bit of a sore point because we currently only have one fit striker um, at the moment. But um, normally when I, we've played a team before, I'll ask which players stood out for you and nine times out of ten, you know, it'll be a, a Ross Stewart or something like that. But that was a night when we effectively played with like four midfielders up front and also in midfield. It was kind of a, a weird... A weird formation, the way that we ended up having to play for a long, long time. But was there any players in particular that that sort of stood out for you? Obviously, Patrick Roberts scored two goals, but it, it was a good performance for us, and it's always quite interesting to see which players stood out from the opposition perspective. Um, well, I mean, defensively, I like I like Danny Bart. Is it Bart or Bath? I never remember, but it's, there's about seventeen T's in there, isn't there? So, Bart, I, I like apparently, to... Bart, yeah, apparently, yeah, it doesn't look quite right, does it? Um, Pritchard, you know, I thought Pritchard was very, very good. Uh, I know he came off sort of reasonably early on, if I remember in the game. But yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the sign of a, of a good unit, right? You know, you you have to play in that system. You, you deal with the injuries to key players, and then you've just lost Ross Stewart as well. So, you know, I, I don't expect it to to affect you too much because you've got a good group there. Um, you know, the, the goalkeeper was pretty good. Obviously, kept a clean sheet, Patterson, um, and I nine as well. He's, I think he's weighed. Has he got a couple of goals this season from memory? But He's he's done pretty well too. So th- there are players that will that will hurt us. But you just my perception of Sunderland and my knowledge of Sunderland is that you're just a very good unit in terms of you know you can bring players in and they will just come in and do a job whether they're supposed to do it or not. Um, Amid Diallo, you know he was he was quite good. I think he played on the day as well. He's got a couple of goals, isn't he? Seven, eight, something like that. Something like so, that. Yeah, phenomenal. You know, there, there, there's a lot of of, of goals in that team. Um, I know obviously you know Ross Stewart's got the bulk of them but there are players that can hurt us and I think realistically you know our, our job is to is to try and restrict um, you know it sounds very easy on paper but try and restrict what you do in the game and, and try and break it down because you know from what I've seen of you guys you're quite defensively resilient really and that's that's going to be tricky for us to to kind of unlock that because as I said we we haven't really made um, the best of, of the attacking solutions, in my opinion, to, to what we've got available. So, um, yeah, it should be should be a good one. Should be a good one. Final question, as always. Now, normally I, I sort of preempt this by saying I'm horrendous at predictions, but I actually got one right last week. Believe it or not, I think that's my only second or third of the season. So maybe I'm on a roll, but I'm probably not. Um, well, I'll be honest, I do feel quite confident. Um, I feel like I've talked this up a lot, so obviously it's going to be egg on my face in this podcast, but nonetheless, um, I do feel obviously away from home, you haven't been anywhere near as good as you are at home. We're starting to sort of sort our home form out a little bit. I think we've won three of the last five, give or take, and, and one of those was that we lost was with 10 men. So I'm hoping, you know, based on a really good result away from home um, at Millwall and, and then a good result against Borough and obviously a good result in the FA Cup, We'll come through the FA Cup game injury free. Hopefully, the replay on Wednesday. And uh, I'm I'm never confident, but I'm I'm going to go for a two nil win. Um, although my predictions in general are quite terrible, apart from last week. But but Ben, how are you feeling about it? Can Redden come and sort of upset the apple cart? Maybe like like Cardiff did um, a few months to us because the championship's a championship. You never really know. 
I don't think so. No, we we did our predictions last night, and I said two 0 Sunderland. Um, and if you don't believe me, go and check out the latest podcast by the Tireless End. Get that little plug in there for you, Graham. But, um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, yeah, I I don't see us getting anything out of the game. To be honest, if we do, then it's it's a real positive, really. Uh, but I, I don't see us getting anything um, out of it whatsoever. Um, I'll tell you a quick story before we go, if that's right, Graham. I'm not actually going to the game because going to Sunderland has, has scarred me forever. I went to the the 2012 game in the Premier League in August, and uh, there oh, was no. five of us. Yeah, a mate of mine was like, "Look, I'm I'm getting a new car. He had one of those old courses, and he said, "Okay, look, we'll take my car because I'm getting rid of it in the next week." So we all pile into this this old style course, so three doors. Remember Graham in the old versions. We get all the way up to Sunderland. And we're all in in Reading shirts because we're idiots. We get out of petrol station and the guy goes, "Oh, all right, lads, from Reading." It's like, "Yeah, shirt probably gave it away." And uh, he goes, "Oh, the game's being called off." And we're like, "No, all right, whatever, mate. Yeah, see you later. Have a good day." And literally, there wasn't when we were driving up. There wasn't too much rain, really, but you know, clearly there was in Sunderland. And we get to the ground, and there's a steward turning cars around, going, "Yeah, the game's being called off." And we were like. Yeah, but we just come from Reading there. It's taking us like five hours or whatever in this car, stopping every every two hours to fill it up and, and kind of pump up the tyres and stuff. He's like, yeah, the game's called off. It's, um, it's waterlogged pitch. And as we're kind of like debating with the steward as if to like, this is a really awful, um, you know, joke that he's, he's got here. Brian McDermott, who was our manager at the time, has come out of the stadium and has seen us and just said, yeah, lads, let the game's off. Just spoke to the referee and he, he can't play it. And we were like, it's the Premier League though, and it's August. It's like, yeah, it's literally soaked to bits. Um, and and for that reason, I can never go back to Sunderland because I'm just I'm just scarred from it. So maybe one day I will. Maybe if I can get a hospitality or something. Um, I did get a free program out of it, though, collector's item. Because I said, like, look, I'm going to go and get a program because I've got to do something for the next five hours. And uh, it was just like, yeah, have it, mate. It's, they're all going. They're for free. And I was like, great, thanks very much. So I, I got a box of programs and took them back to the Sports Trust. But yeah, that's why I can never go to Sunderland ever again, as much as I'd like to. I just, uh, I just can't do it. It's imagine that Premier League game in August gets called off because of a of a waterlogged pitch. Bonkers. I remember that actually quite well. And Sunderland fans will remember that quite well because we'd made two very big signings prior to the night before. I think Friday in anticipation was massive because it was our first home game of the of the Premier League season. I think we'd got a draw away at Arsenal, I want to say, on the opening game of the season. So I think it felt dead positive. You thought, you know, no offence, but Redden is home, winnable game. You know, see what we can do. And then, yeah, August, what a luck pitch. Um, never happened before, never happened again. And if I remember correctly... It took until November, and it was a midweek game we got rearranged to, and I think we won three 0 Yeah, it was. It was. It was when we were on the way down massively. Um, but I have to say, you know, before we went, we stopped at a pub, and you know, your your fans were first class. Like they were buying us drinks, and obviously not the driver because that's illegal. But um, <laughs> you know, they were they were buying us drinks and stuff, and they, they were first class really. So for that reason alone, just to kind of you know see how good your fans were and 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 be up there was great. But um yeah, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever go back to Sunderland. Unless of course it's a relegation decider or a playoff, maybe we'll see. But uh yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting times and it transport transport transported me back to a time when yeah, because I travelled down from Glasgow that day and I think I got in there about one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that wasn't it wasn't a great day. Um 
You put a little plug in before, Ben, but obviously uh, I think a lot of people will know, obviously, your podcast because it's been going for a long time. But for people who haven't heard sort of your stuff, and I think it's interesting to hear that the opposition perspective before and after a game, especially when you're playing ourselves, where can it be found? Where where, where can you be followed and things like that? So uh, obviously on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, although that's kind of a bit of a dying uh, channel these days, really. Um, a little bit. <laughs> we, we kind of knock out, uh, you know, various articles. I do a bit of a light-hearted match day column, which is called View from the Dolan, which is just me talking about what I've had for lunch in the lead-up to the game, basically. Um, and then we do we do a couple of like post-match videos and stuff. And, um, yeah, there's, there's kind of all sorts going on, really. But the podcast will be on Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from, without sounding like a an, an Amazon Prime advert. But, you know, it's, it's wherever you, you get your podcasts from. So, yeah, if you want to um, have a listen, we did the, we did the Sunderland preview, uh, last night, so that's available. Um, but yeah, you know, check us out if you if you want a, a bit of a, a slightly balanced view on football and, and Reading Football Club, basically. And I can guarantee you can do introductions better than I can. Like I say, this will mean nothing to anyone listening because, of course, I will edit it. But like I say, it took me about seven attempts to do the the, the introduction today. I seem to have developed some sort of stutter, but there you go. But Ben, um, thanks very much for for popping on. Obviously, great chat. Uh, I wish you luck for the rest of the season, apart from on Saturday, of course, which I'm sure those sentiments are echoed. But um, thanks for popping on, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Graham. Enjoy your holiday and uh, yeah, best of luck for, for the rest of the season. And, you know, hopefully you guys will get in the playoffs and, and kick on a little bit more. But um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on today, mate. I appreciate that. Pleasure, mate.